Well, good morning. We continue our Transform series with financial health, and uh, we're going to be looking at transforming how I see and use uh, my money. Uh, over half, over half the parables that Jesus told had to do with money management. In the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses has to do with money management. Why did Jesus have so much to say about money? Because we spend so much of our time, energy, our very lives thinking about it, worrying about it, working for it, spending it, trying to save it, investing it. Truth is, if you don't learn how to manage your money, your life will be unmanageable. So we're going to look today at one of the most misunderstood stories by Jesus in the Bible. Uh, It's in Luke 16. You can turn there in your Bibles, on your phones. We'll have the verses up on the screen. But this uh, passage is confusing because at first reading it seems like Jesus is approving of dishonesty. Uh, But he's not. Uh, He just uses a clever crook as the hero of the story. And he does that for shock value, and he does it to capture and hold your interest, and he does it to make a point. Now, the parable is called the story of the shrewd manager. I like to call it the story of the shrewd steward. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And so Jesus tells this strange story to capture everybody's attention, including ours. And then he begins to transform how you and I see and use money. Verse 9, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, it's important to notice that that Jesus is not praising the guy's dishonesty. He's not praising dishonesty or embezzlement. He's praising shrewdness, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the other thing about this is, is, you know, we've got a, a, a bad guy as the main character here. Well, you, we need to recognize that you can learn from anybody. You don't have to agree with everything a person believes or does to learn from them. And today there's kind of this spirit that if I disagree with you on something, I can't learn anything from you. 
But if you can only learn from people that you agree with 100% of the time, you're not going to learn anything. Because there's no one that you agree with 100% of the time. I mean, have you talked to your wife lately? And so you, you don't have to agree with a person for them to teach you something. And so this guy is dishonest, but you don't learn dishonesty from him. But there are some things that he did with his money that God wants you to do with your money. So we can learn things from this shrewd steward. Now there's two reasons why Jesus tells this story. First, Jesus is telling this story. uh, He's telling it to his disciples, but he's telling it for the benefit of the Pharisees. And we'll see that, that he's actually really telling the story to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the leader, religious leaders of that day. The Pharisees were arrogant, they were self-righteous, they were judgmental, demeaning, demanding, they don't like people, they're hypocrites, they say one thing and do another. And Jesus also knew that the Pharisees loved money. And that's why he tells this shocking story and why he makes the crook the hero, because he's trying to draw them in and then get them. Okay? So the rest of the chapter, it says the Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. And that last phrase is crucial to transforming how I see and use my money. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. And what do people think matters most? Possessions and power and prestige and popularity and money. Uh, God says, no, 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 those things don't really matter. In fact, those things are detestable to God. Now, another reason why Jesus tells this story and uses a poor money manager as as the main character is because most believers are poor money managers. You know, most people don't have any emergency savings. You have little or no retirement saved up. Today, we're not even living from paycheck to paycheck. You're buying stuff on credit before you even get the check. You're deeply in debt. Money, today's primary cause of worry, it's the number one cause of divorce. And that's just a horrible way to live. And so Jesus doesn't praise this guy's dishonesty. What he praises is his shrewdness. And to be shrewd means that you're smart, you're sharp, you're strategic, you're resourceful. When you're shrewd, you see the problem clearly, you know what needs to be done, you figure out how to do it, and you do it efficiently and effectively. That's what it means to be shrewd. And God wants you to be biblically shrewd with your money. Now, we learn four things what not to do with your money here. First, in Luke 16, 2, Jesus says, don't waste it. The manager was accused of wasting his master's possessions. Now, if I waste my money, okay, that's one thing. But if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I need to recognize that all my money is God's money. Okay, isn't that cute? I got five grandkids, I get it. So as a believer, I have to recognize... That, that it's not my money. It all belongs to God. So I don't want to waste God's money. So we need to understand that. You don't waste it. And it may have been a surprise to this steward that he was wasting God's money. But, you know, the owner comes in or brings him up short, says, hey, hey, you're wasting the money. Next, the Bible says, don't love it. Don't love money. Don't live for money. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. 
He'll either hate one and love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible to live with divided allegiance. You can't do it. You can't can't chase two rabbits at the same time. You can't work for two bosses. I mean, you've got to choose what you're going to work for in life. And Jesus says the number one love in your life must be God, not money. So you don't love it. Third thing, don't trust it. You know, I don't care how much money you've got, you can lose it. You can lose it all. And the manager learned this quickly, verse 3. He says, what am I going to do? I'm losing my job. And many of you know what it feels like to lose your job, to be out of work. And all of a sudden, you've got no source of income, you've got no source of security if you've been trusting in your money. If you want to really be secure in life, your life has to be built on something that can never be taken from you. And the only thing that can never be taken from you is God's love for you. Only thing. Because God's love is unconditional. So don't waste it, don't love it, don't trust in it. Because you can lose it. Proverbs 23, 5. Your money can be gone in a flash. As if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. People say money talks. Money doesn't talk, it just flies away without a word. That's why they put eagles on all our money because they just, it just flies away. It's gone in a flash. So you can't trust it. Fourth thing God says is don't expect it to satisfy. If you think more money will bring you more satisfaction, you're not paying attention. Because it doesn't happen. Ecclesiastes 5.10 Whoever loves money will never have enough. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. That's why Jesus says guard against all kinds of greed. Because your life is not measured by how much you own. So that's what not to do. Now we're going to look at five things that you need to do. Five things you need to remember every day. And you need to remember these every day because money is so daily. And it is so easy for us to slide right back into the old habits, the old way of of thinking about how, how I see and use money. So number one, every day I need to remember it all belongs to God. Say that with me. It all belongs to God. The sun, the moon, the stars, the rocks, the plants, the trees, the penny in your pocket. It all belongs to God. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. You didn't own it before you got here. You won't own it when you leave. You may think you own it, but it's just on loan. God loans it to you for the 80 or so years that you're here. And that's why in this story, the owner, that's God, enlisted a manager, that's you, to take care of his property. And so the question is, this is a great life question, how well are you taking care of God's property? Because anytime I'm wasting money, I'm wasting God's money. And that ought to change the way that you you transform the way you see and use your money. Because it all belongs to God. Number two, every day I've got to remember that God is using money to test me. Money is a test. God doesn't automatically give his blessings to anybody. He tests you first to see if you can handle it. God doesn't give his spiritual power to just anybody. Before he gives you spiritual power, God tests you with material possessions to see how you'll do. If God can trust you with material possessions, then God will entrust you with spiritual power. Jesus says if you're faithful in little things, then you'll be faithful in much in heaven. But if you're not managing your money well, why would God give you the stuff that really matters? 
So God is using money to test me. Test me in regards to three things. First, money shows what I love most. How I spend my money reveals to God, reveals to other people, reveals to me what I love most. It doesn't matter what I say I love most. I can say one thing and do another. What matters is, because what, what you love the most, that's where your time and your money go. If you want to know what you really love most, look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. Because the way you spend your time and your money reveals what you love the most. You know, who gets the first 10%? It's the love of your life. That's who gets it. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Don't store up treasure here on earth. Instead, store your treasures in heaven. For wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So God is using money to test what I love the most. And we need to ask ourselves, am I passing the test? Next, money shows what I really trust the most. Am I trusting in money for my security or am I trusting in God? Am I trusting in money for my happiness or am I trusting in God? You know, money is the acid test of faith. All through Scripture, money is the acid test of faith. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: if you trust in your money, you will fall. But if you trust in God, you will flourish like a green tree. So you might say, you know, I, I just don't feel close to God right now. I feel like God is distant. I, my spiritual life is stuck. I'm, I'm not growing spiritually. There's no spiritual power in my life. There's a spiritual dryness in my life. If that's you, I would encourage you, check your checkbook. Check your checkbook. You know, are you investing your money in the things that God cares about? Are you asking God to use your giving to do great and mighty things for God? Or are you just nickel and dime, diming God with your giving? I mean, nickel and dime giving will grow a nickel and dime faith. Because God is asking you, what do you trust in the most? And you demonstrate that with your faith and how you use your money. Now, third one, money shows if God can trust me doesn't just show if I trust God, it shows if God can trust me. Because God is looking to see how well you manage material things before he gives you spiritual blessing. Can he trust you with more? Or are you wasting what he's given you now? Verse 11 and 12, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, what does that mean? not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. It means you're spending more than you make. You're not saving for the future. You're not investing. Uh, you're not tithing. You're, you're loving money more than you love God. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? God wants to bless you for eternity. He wants to bless you. But God says, if I can't trust you with what I've given you here, how can I trust you with the real stuff? Jesus says there is a direct connection between spiritual maturity and how you handle your money. There is a direct connection between spiritual power and how you handle your possessions. There's a direct connection between God's blessings and my bucks. And I've got to understand that connection. And when I do, it'll transform how I see and use money. Number three, money is a, not only a test, money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. Money by itself is neither good nor bad, right nor wrong. Money is just a tool. It's a means to an end. Money can be used to build a great church. Money can be used to buy dope. It's just money. 
And so in Luke 16, 9, Jesus says, I tell you, use your worldly wealth. Circle the word use. We're not to love money. We are to use money. Jesus says that we are to love people and use money. We're to love God and use money. Now, the problem is, is we get that turned around. We love money and we use people to get more money. We love money and we try to use God to get more money. No, no. Money is a tool that is to be used for God's purposes. Jesus says use temporary resources for eternal gain. So how do I do that? How? Well, this shrewd steward is, is going to show us. That's why Jesus made him the hero of the story. Now, we know that the guy is about to get fired, and it's because he'd been wasteful, and so he calls in the people who owe his master money, and he works out a scheme to reduce their debt, and he uh, did that uh, for the reason that we're going to see here in a minute that is crucial to understanding this parable. Because the guy's obviously dishonest. So, so why does Jesus hold him up as an example? What did he do that was right? What can we learn from him? Three things. First, he looked ahead. In verse 3, he says, what am I going to do now? He's thinking about the future. You know, most people never look ahead when it comes to their finances. They're just living day to day. Our culture creates the atmosphere. Advertising teaches you to, to live for now, spend it now. It's my money, I want it now. You know, I'm, I'm going to get it now and spend it now. That's why very few people have any savings. The average annual savings per person in Europe is 12%. The average annual savings in Japan per person is 25%. The average annual savings in America per person is a negative 1%. We're not saving anything. We're going into debt. That is not smart. That is not looking ahead to the future. Steward says, what am I going to do now? Proverbs 14.8, the wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself and won't face the facts. That's the problem in our culture today. We are trying to fool ourselves about our finances in the future, and we won't face the facts. And folks, it starts at the top, and it works all the way down to the average citizen. We are fooling ourselves about our debt and our financial future, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn us. It's going to collapse. The wise man looks ahead. And so you need to ask yourself, what facts am I unwilling to face about my financial future? And the truth is, many of us are living in houses that we cannot afford. And many of us are driving cars that we cannot afford. And we need to face the fact, and we need to get out of those. And we need to get into something that we can manage. Get into something where we can tithe and save and invest and live within our means and have have the secure future that God wants us to have. You've got to downsize and live within your means. That's the point the shrewd steward is looking ahead. He recognized the reality of a bad situation. You know, he faced up to the facts. What facts do you need to face up to about your finances? And then in the next verse it says he made a plan. He said, I know what I will do. Do you know what you will do? Do you have a financial plan? The easy way to answer that question is, is do you have a budget? Because a budget is simply planned spending. A budget is telling your money where it should go rather than wondering where it went. And if you don't have a budget, you don't have a plan. Proverbs 69 says we should make plans, 
counting on God to direct us. God's Word has tons of information about how we're to manage our money, handle our money. And we live in a wonderful day where we have tons of Christian resources, uh, Dave Ramsey and all kinds of other guys that, that can tell you how to do this, make a plan. So he looked ahead, he had a plan. Third thing, he acted quickly. He didn't procrastinate, he didn't delay, he didn't say, someday I'm going to get my finances in order, someday I'll start saving for the future. Uh, No, the shrewd steward says, I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. And this is the thing that Jesus is commending. Not his dishonesty, but the attitude that I'm going to think ahead and I'm going to plan to invest in some relationships so that when I get fired, people will take me into their homes. You know, most people have no plan for the future. They're just drifting along day by day. Jesus says, no, you need to take the long view of this. And by long view, he doesn't just mean retirement. He needs, you need to be looking beyond your death. You need to be looking into eternity. Are you storing up treasure in heaven? Or are you just wasting it all here? Are you storing up treasure in heaven? That's the long-range plan. And so the question to ask is, are you even thinking about that? Or do you need to transform how you see and use money? Fourth thing, need to remember this every day. The best use of money is to use it to get people into heaven. Verse 9, Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, they will welcome you into your eternal dwelling. And see, this is where he makes a shift from the steward who wanted people to take care of him when he lost his job. Jesus is saying, you need to do this so you'll have friends to live life with when you lose your life. You know, he said, just like this dishonest guy made friends he could count on later, you need to use your money to make spiritual friends, to make eternal friends that you're going to be forever with in heaven. You use temporary wealth to make eternal relationships. Now, what he is not saying, please understand, he is not saying that you can buy your way into heaven. Because the Bible says over and over again, you can't buy your way into heaven. He's not saying that you can purchase your salvation. Because the Bible says over and over again, you can't buy your salvation. Your eternal salvation is a gift of God's grace that you receive through faith in Jesus Christ. But what he's saying is, you want to use your money to build relationships that are going to last for eternity. Spiritual friendships. You you use your worldly affluence to gain eternal influence. He says, when I use my money to help other people come to faith in Jesus Christ, I make friends for eternity. I gain eternal rewards. Circle the phrase, then they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Okay, He's talking about heaven. Now, I don't want to surprise you with this. I mean, it's been in all the papers. I've read it on the Internet. But every one of us is going to die. And, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when you die, you'll go to heaven. And imagine walking into heaven, and there's 100, 150 people who are there and just go, man, we've been waiting for you. We are so glad you're here because you gave and we received the gospel and now we're believers in Jesus Christ and, and we just want to be your friends forever. Let the party begin. I mean, the question is, are you using any of your money to do that kind of thing? Is anybody going to be in heaven because you gave? Because you used your money to lead people to Jesus Christ. Because you can't take your money with you, but you can send it on ahead. How? By investing it in reaching people who will go there. That's how. The best use of your money 
is to use it to tell people about Jesus Christ. Number five, every day I've got to remember, one day I'll give an account to God. One day there's going to be an audit on your life. Jesus says you will give an account for every word that has come out of your mouth. And you will give an account for every penny you have spent. That ought to change the way you view your money. Now, it doesn't matter whether you've been given a lot or given a little. What matters is, what are you doing with what you've been given? And can God trust you with more? Because you're going to stand before God. Verse 2, so he called him in and asked him, give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. And one day your time as manager on earth is going to end. The Bible says each of us will give a personal account to God. And so the question is, are you ready to give that account? Are you ready? Or do you need to transform how you see and use money? Last principle. Every day I need to remember if I'm faithful with a little, God can trust me with more. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So are you using your money in such a way that God says, well, I want to give him more. I want to give her more. Are you trustworthy with a little so you can be trusted with more? More money, more time, more responsibility, more influence. Matthew 25, Jesus said, look at this. To those who use well what they are given. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. God wants to give you an abundance. He wants to give you an abundance in every area of your life. But you've got to use well what you've been given. Because faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways. And too many people say, oh, you know, well, when, when, when I hit it big, then I'm going to be generous. So, you know, when I, when I become rich, I'm going to start tithing. When I've got enough, then I'll start giving to God. No, you start tithing when you're poor. That's how you get out of poverty. I know. That's how you get out of poverty. You start managing well the little that God has given you so God can trust you with more. Faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways. And if you want God's blessing on your life and on your finances, you've got to transform how you see and use money. You've got to bring your reality in line with God's word. You do it God's way. So let's just do a little personal evaluation here. Just, I, I would encourage you just to ask yourself, does God really have first place in my life? You know, is God getting the first fruits? Does he really have first place? Or is something else in there? And then can, ask yourself, can God trust me with what he's allowed me to have? Am I managing my money well? Am I managing my opportunities well? Am I managing my life well? Am I managing my health well? Because everything God has given me I'm accountable for. Does the way I'm using my money show that God can trust me with more? Will anybody be in heaven because of the way I'm using my money? Am I investing for eternity? Those are important questions. Let's pray together. I want to invite you just to pray this prayer in your own heart and mind. Would you just say, God, I, I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to love it, live for it, trust in it, I don't want to expect it to satisfy and meet my needs. So God, help me to remember every day that it all belongs to you. I don't really own anything. It's just on loan from you. 
So God, I want what I do with my money to show you that I love you the most. And God, I want you to look at the way I'm using my life and my money and know that you can trust me with greater responsibility. Every day, help me to remember that money is a tool to be used for your purposes. That it's a test of my faith, test of my love, test of my trust. So help me to do what this manager did right. Help me to look ahead, make a plan to act quickly and not procrastinate. God, help me to remember that the best use of money is to help people get into heaven. So I want to use some of my money to do that. I know one day I'll give an account to you. And you said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So God, I want to give you my heart today. And Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my wastefulness. Forgive me my greed, for my irresponsibility, for my mistrust. And God, give me that new, eternal, abundant life that you promised to those who believe in you. God, help me to become a faithful steward of what you've given me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.